sometimes do an intro. I mean, we we do always eventually do an intro. Eventually, eventually. But otherwise, otherwise yeah, I, I don't. It's different because this time you have someone like in the room doing it. Is you and someone. We like, had a, we had we once had a uh, buddy of ours come and and co-host the podcast with us, and that was kind of like he was like, "I'm bored tonight," and we're like cool and he's like i'm coming over to help you do the podcast and we're like fine i think that was actually a ua episode too that was also a ua episode do you guys review like i do you guys review every ua that comes out like like it's anytime that, anytime well that's just like easy content for the week yeah fair so enough. yeah i think there's only been besides the D, one D ones maybe like three or four in the in the past year something like that so we've been doing it about a year now yeah Okay. We, we've done we've done over we've done over one year's worth of podcasting, and we do it every other week for regular episodes and then interviews. We've done this would be the fifth one. Yeah. So. Anyway, I think it's about time that I we begin this journey. That we oh, it it, it didn't pick up the sound. <laughs> <laughs> So leave the lid off the Gatorade and then that's just risk the spill. Risk the spill. Um, sip away from there. You go. Mike. Hey, yes. Yes. Whatever get right up. On, get right up on that thing. Get right. Get right up on. Just get right up on that thing. If you need to scoot in a little bit, that's fine. That's fine. There's gonna be oh. movement noise. I mean, I'm, we we always record in this room, so it's always about the same. Sometimes Jester is running about and causing other unfortunate noises. Yeah, uh, that usually usually it's bean related disturbances to the audio of the podcast. But if you're listening right now, which nobody is because we're recording this. Not live. Not live. On Jester's the, on listening. The TikTok. Jester is listening. So, for the for the bean, uh there's a magical third voice here. A friend friend of the show, friend of mine personally, fell the leb on YouTube. You may recognize him. Like 3,000 subscribers? I think, yeah, I'm just over 3,000 subscribers. That's correct. Uh, more importantly, has really important friends, so we want to be friends with him now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we are you know. willing to chill. No. I was, before I did YouTube, before, well, I've always, I've been doing YouTube stuff for a while now. I've done some voice acting stuff before I made Dungeons & Dragons content. Right, I was on a live action uh, D&D streaming show called Antumbra Echoes the Eclipse. I'm now the voice of Buck on uh, Joe Cat's newest campaign. If you know Joe Cat, he makes YouTube content. Oh, yeah. oh we um, know Joe Cat. <laughs> we, we stand Joe Cat in this household. He, he has a campaign going right now that we've done two sessions on so far. None of them are out on YouTube, but it's uh, Heart of Alinthi is the name of his campaign. I, all of his campaigns that he's done on YouTube are like part of the same like world, and this is the third one that he's done. I, 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 as much as we in this house love the Critical Role and the Dimension 20, we, I appreciate the people that are just doing short run content. Not <laughs> so like much making their whole careers yeah, surrounding yeah. <laughs> surrounding their campaign like they have. Oh my god! I, and running them for like multiple. They, well, they ran that show before they like before it became like famous. Critical, they were they were running that like first they were, campaign. They yeah. were level nine when the show started, gotcha. and they started playing at level one. Gotcha. They st- they started playing two years, and then they they were kind of talking to their the people they knew at uh, Geek and Sundry and like hey 
we have this thing and no one understood what it was. Yeah. And now it's and now the, everyone understands what it is now because it, it's the most popular um, uh, most popular most profitable they, like tabletop role playing game thing. They they time. freaking crowdfunded an animated version of their <laughs> first campaign to the tune of like 7 million 10 million dollars. I, I could think. be I could be wrong but I think it's the most successful yeah. Kickstarter campaign yeah, of all I'm time. Yeah, I'm fairly confident of that too. And then Amazon like matched it. <laughs> They're like, have a second season. <laughs> literally, 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 literally. Yeah. It's it's crazy. So anyway, I've done nothing like that. <laughs> nothing like that. I've done yes. Nothing like that at all. Yes. Did you? Did I say three thousand subscribers? Yes. That's how low it is. We're not crowdfunding anything. Yet you haven't done anything that large yet. yet. Don't sell yet. yourself short. Fair enough. Uh, but Norb is a very good personal friend of mine. We met through a mutual friend of ours that you were good friends with from childhood or high school. Uh, we, I knew him in, I met him in high school. Yeah, and then I met him in college, yeah. and then we met at a birthday party at a cabin for him. I was gonna say <laughs> no, we, we, I think we, did we meet before that? I thought I had gone to the to cookout with you. You did go. You did like one time before we had like fully met up. We, you and I went and got like fast food together yeah. with our friend Ari. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, you were just randomly visiting. And Bowling Green, I think so. You? I think so. Yeah, <laughs> we were all just drinking at their apartment, and then we were like, "Yeah, let's go get some food." Yeah, I'll never forget. That was my first time I ever had cookout, and so that's yeah. why I recall of that course. night. Yeah. I, that you would never recall it because of me, and that's mm. very fair. I would never expect that of you. You're the one who forgot that we met. Then. <laughs> Not it's, it wasn't me. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I I, re I do re I do remember the cabin trip being. I remembered you from something, but I didn't know what. Well, the that was a very, very um, uh, eventful trip. That was an that was an eventful it trip. It was an eventful trip. That was an eventful first night. There was I don't know if I can I don't think you <laughs> we're not going to talk. We're, we're, we we called, we had to call an ambulance that night. It's fine. I I was <laughs> on the side of we didn't need to call an ambulance. I was on the opposite side. It's and then fine. and then the next no morning one got hurt. No one was, was hurt. Right. It was a precautionary thing. And the next morning, uh, the one that we called an ambulance on was the most not hungover of all of us. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. Fuck him. Drink responsibly. <laughs> Drink responsibly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we are now actual friends. I've played D&D with you once. Mm -hmm. You played in one of my campaigns that has since fizzled out, sadly. I don't mm -hmm. know if I broke that news to you Just yet. the nature of camp of like any D&D campaign. Most D&D yeah. &D campaigns, I sadly, think. Sadly, yes. Um, how long have you been playing D&D &D for? Has it, has it been longer than us? Probably it's longer. Not, I don't think it has been. I So I had... When I was in high school. I think the first time I ever played a tabletop role-playing game was when I was in high school with Ari, one of our mutual friends. She ran a um, Dungeon World. It was so, either Dungeon World or some sort of Powered by the Apocalypse type mm -hmm. game. And we did a couple of sessions. I think maybe at the time then, 5th edition wasn't out. Um, for 2014. I, I, yeah. So I think it was it was sometime early high school when I became when I first was introduced to the concept of doing Dungeons and Dragons. Someone had tried to run a 3.5 uh, game or mm. campaign, and I just never ended up getting into it. I came into doing Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition in earnest when uh, I was in law school. And a friend, uh, an internet friend of mine who I, at the time I was doing some like online voice acting stuff, he invited me to play it for the first time. I played it. I really liked it. I was like, let's look into playing it in real life. And I met up with a club at my school um, and met a couple of guys. And then we started a campaign. I started DMing that campaign 
and I still we finished we finished a full campaign, which was interesting. Impressive. Doing like a year and a half worth campaign, <laughs> uh, and now we're doing a second campaign that I'm running. I'm still friends with all those guys. We're still nice. doing that. So I think it's been I want to say three years then, like three or four maybe. That for D and D specific for D and D where where D and D has sort of been my main game, and I've played I mean, like other types of games, yeah, like in I mean, between. That's kind of that's about the same for me. I I think you've been playing a bit back, longer. I started back in so my first edition was twenty. Uh, it was fifth edition. Well, I did a similar where I was like, oh, did one game back of a second edition homebrew back in like early college, so probably twenty twelve. And then when 5th edition came out is kind of when I switched over uh, to playing D&D and DMing full-time. And I should say for the for the people who are listening to the podcast, I, I go by Feleleb, F-E-L-T-H-E-L-E-B. I make uh, content now for 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons on my YouTube channel, hmm. and I shit post on Twitter, I guess. Like, that's oh, the, the, the extent the Twitter, of my... The Twitter shit posting is the best. <laughs> also, if we have not reached the shilling portion of this podcast yet. Mm. You can promote your shit later. Oh, I'm sorry. We haven't I even... thought they might want to know. Link in, this, <laughs> we link in the description. Link, link in, the yes, link, links in the link link. It's link. It's in the description. It's, it's down there. It's nice. But, I'm going to put a secret second link in the description, <laughs> and you have to figure out, based on in listening our, to the podcast, which is the right one to go to. You're putting a secret link in our description. Uh, yes. I, okay. You guys have to okay. find, <laughs> oh. you two specifically have to find the secret link. <laughs> it's link, HTML. It's Ooh. HTML. One link tells the truth, and are we, one are you, always are you going to? Are you going, or should you just edit this podcast, and then in the video, <laughs> like, you just, one letter of the, of the URL every, like, minute and a half. It's my podcast now. <laughs> oh, oh, all right. Yes. I get get to edit it. <laughs> so we haven't even, we just kind of rolled into it. We haven't even introduced us. I'm Connor. And I'm Sam. And we're the Dungeon Bros. And we are not brothers. Nor are we in a dungeon. But we are with our friend Norb, Fell the Lab on YouTube. And he's already shelled himself. Mm-hmm. Just fine. I didn't know we, the, the setup. This is this is the nor- This is totally the norm for us, though. We've the norb for us, if wow. you will. Thank so you. good. We there's been plenty of podcasts where we've been like 15, 20 minutes in. And it's like we haven't done an intro yet. We should probably <laughs> do that. Um, but this is this is gonna be a bonus episode of the podcast. It, you can watch this, of course, on Apple, Google, Spotify, microwave ovens, the YouTube, all the like. Or you can just listen since there's no video. Oh, yeah, there is no video, but it will be on YouTube. They just stare at their phone. You can stare. If, you can watch the waveform or watch the like <laughs> the the scrub the scrub thing scrub, like yeah. going from the left <laughs> to yeah, the right, and yeah. that's as much. That's interesting. every every like ten seconds, it like ticks like a quarter of like a hair's width forward that you can barely. It's almost imperceptible how slow the little dot on the line moves, but you know. Sometimes you need a visual aspect, and if that's what you need, that's what you get. Sure. And normally our our guest interviews that we do have a video aspect because we record over such long distances, Um, but Norb is actually local, so we just brought him over to our house to hang out, Mm -hmm. so no video. I kind of prefer it, because I don't have to always be on. I can just, I can just like be like, like listen, but not looking, mm-hmm. you know, where yeah. when we're on the video, it always feels like I have to be like looking into the camera and not even really looking at the screen where they're talking. So it's not even like I'm looking in their eyes. I'm looking above their head where the camera is so that it looks like from the video's perspective, I'm looking into the camera, which is, it's a whole thing. You also you have can, to stop from drooling. 
that yeah do you guys play any uh D like live stream like sh- like shows at all or anything like that do you guys do any like live stream playing no, the reason yet, i bring no. it up is because i when i the first campaign that i did that i did a, like a live stream game that was uh, like televised it was on twitch but uh i did it with the like the video where like my face was on it and so you have to and i did that exact same thing you have to like move your oh, camera yeah. thing up so it's like near your camera because otherwise I felt like I was yeah. looking like away to the side and I wanted to be engaged with the audience. Yeah. Thankfully for Joe Cat's campaign, it's just audio. It's just my voice, yeah. so I can just <laughs> do exactly what you were saying. I don't That's have nice. there's I don't it's not, it's an additional thing you don't have to worry about. For I don't I don't know if if you know for sure yet, but for Joe Cat's game, is it going to have like a video aspect for like battle maps? Yeah, there's so there is um in like it's, I think so we've done two and they're every Wednesday. They're not going to be next Wednesday or the Wednesday after because of the holidays, but. Um, and also, when is this? When is this podcast this should, coming out? If this posts on the fourteenth, then we've done a very good job. So <laughs> that the, is the goal. <laughs> uh, so if this posts on the fourteenth, that Wednesday and the Wednesday, no, that I, I don't have the dates right in front of me. But anyway, not until Christmas is over yes. will we have another episode. Yes. Um, the first two have been already streamed on Twitch, but it's actually there's a really nice setup of having the character portraits having a little portrait for the DM and then there's little battle maps as well as um, additional art that's um, accompanying mm-hmm. uh, our playing and the art's really good. It's, it's done by a person named um, uh, British Muffin, I think on Twitter. Uh, there's, a, there's a number of artists that work on that campaign, including Joe Cat himself, who's an artist and does yeah. a lot of the art. Um, he also has an original soundtrack that's being composed by a, a guy named Tavern Cat Records uh, on Twitter and he did all the music I think for the original two or the first two campaigns. He's doing the music again for this campaign. It's a really, it's a really like well put together system. And, and eventually, although the Twitch version that we live stream is all done in one thing, he takes everything and cuts it down into a VOD Mm -hmm. for YouTube, which will be posted on his YouTube channel. I don't think the first one is up just yet, but it should be posted sometime. I think in the next week. That's awesome. And so all the like riffraff stuff is kind of cut out so you can just get really those like character moments and and those sorts of things. So look forward to our uh, videos where we're going to break down these uh, Joe Cat campaigns and just rip on Norpal. Yeah, we're going to find my decision making (laughs) process and determine why it's bad. Just just like you have hyper analyzed many aspects of tabletop RPGs, both mechanically and also just kind of metaphysically, we're going to analyze every decision you make now as well. I'm married, so I have enough of that. <laughs> I have that already going on for me, but I would love to have a second perspective, I think. Is of course. The, or, a, uh, I guess, a second and a third perspective. Hopefully, hopefully we're... Just one ho- Dungeon Bros perspective. <laughs> we, I we don't yeah. disagree <laughs> ever. If you subscribe no, 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 to the once. Patreon, you get the second, you get the third and the fourth opinion from <laughs> each of you guys Speaking analyzing of- the Dungeon Bros. <laughs> <laughs> perspective. We do a meta-analysis of our own content. Yeah, that'll... When we, when we have have a patreon which hopefully will be this in 2023 hopefully we reach the point where i feel confident enough that we can do that what i think would be good is for the patreon what you guys should do is you should have a sort of um jersey store jersey store jersey shore style 
course. Like show where it's just it's you guys living together, but it's like Jersey Shore. That's like six people. That's too many people. It's a lot. Of I people. want I want you guys to be in an individual room and then a sides like to the camera. Like you guys would be like, what do you like? What do you want for breakfast? And then it will like cut. Um, and you, one of you will be like alone, and be like, I just don't know why he asked me. <laughs> why is he at, he if eats he, the same breakfast every day. Every day. If he says if he says fucking eggs and bacon again, I'm gonna kill him. Yeah, and then it just cuts back. See that that's. It's like how's eggs and bacon? You can bring yeah, me in as an executive producer, and I'll take only forty percent of the cut. We we have joked before about how hilarious but also how we would totally be canceled if we had like a big brother style just like we put up like a ring camera or something in the corner Mm -hmm. for like a home security thing and just perpetually live streamed it right (laughs) how like we would catch some amazing nuggets of hilariousness Mm -hmm. and then also we would probably be like forced offline Fair enough. You know, as as, as any you deserve. As anyone yeah, right. as yeah. anyone who has been on a voice chat in a video game between the years of two thousand and like eight to two thousand and thirteen can attest. Right, right. You know, you don't want that stuff leaking online. That definitely not. I'm trying, to, <laughs> I'm trying to think back. I don't I wasn't really big on no, to be honest, I really wasn't big into playing like online like the mm-hmm. multiplayer games of like Halo and mm-hmm. uh, Call of Duty. Call of Duty, yeah. Kakadooki. I couldn't survive in the Call of Duty lobby, so I played Skyrim for like yeah. 1,000 hours. Yeah, there you go. I mean, yeah. who among us hasn't? Yeah, fair enough. Actually, I knew that. I have not played Skyrim. You've never played Skyrim? I've never played... We don't have time to They talk put it about. out on every single... You, you can play it on whatever you yeah. want. Multiple, multiple times, actually, on several consoles. I'm well aware that if I wanted to play Skyrim, I could at a moment's notice yeah. play the game. But... Todd Howard's outside the apartment <laughs> right now trying to get you to leave. Just, just let me in. We got a copy of Skyrim. Okay, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'll wait for you to re 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 release it. Exactly. You know, you, you gotta wait. You gotta wait for the next iteration of it. Obviously. Anyway, 15 minutes in. Oh, it's only 18. Well, we're going to chop off the front end. Ah, fair. You don't have to. You don't have to spoil that that behind the scenes. I'm going portion. to constantly just give time updates so that they make no sense. Wonderful. Um, Twenty-seven. We should probably talk about like actual fell the web things, sure, <laughs> as opposed to just kind of talking around all this stuff. How long have you been doing YouTube? I think. So you, earlier you heard me say that I did some uh, voice acting stuff. My journey to making D&D content was originally started when I think maybe in 2018 or 2019, I started doing voice acting stuff. I, I bought a microphone that was pretty good. And then in or, because I graduated from um, undergrad and I didn't have an outlet for any sort of creative stuff. And so what I decided to do was try to find some sort of online community where I could continue to create. Eventually that started with doing, um, just getting sort of like minor voice acting gigs um, online. And I realized that one of the things I really liked doing um, was like actually being in charge of like creating, like it's not so much that I like being in charge as much as it was. I like to have some sort of creative control because like I can determine what it is I'm creating. that's a point it's, of friction in this house quite a bit, I think. <laughs> the creative freedom and control over certain aspects of what we do. Well, I think you it's guys... It's fun. Well, you, you understand, like, if, if you're the one creating it, you get to be the one determining, like, the schedule in which mm-hmm. it comes out, and you can do it to your, you know, your own taste, and you can put out the stuff that you want 
creating stuff for me was never, was always about just wanting to like f- like scratch that itch. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing voice acting stuff. I realized that because I was always like the voice actor, I was never really like in control. So I started making skits and I started making sketches. And then I also started making a couple of content like, um, I guess like sort of like video essay style stuff. And when I kind of ran out of stuff to do about voice acting, I just kind of moved on to other hobbies. And so if you like, if you, in fact, if you go to my YouTube channel, you can find like a project that I did called Mobs Rule, which was like a, like short, sort of like an animated, not like animated, but like a kind of like a pilot where I just kind of wrote a script and had voice actors read along with it. Um, but I have then, not done, I've not gone that far back. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all the way back there. <laughs> Um, to answer your question, I, I think D&D content for me started, I, th- I want to say sometime during 2020 is when I started making stuff, which is when a lot of people that's when, that's started making stuff. That's when a lot of people stuff. did that. A lot, um, of our, a lot of our peers on TikTok, because we, we're not YouTubers. I, don't, I, not would, not, don't I would not yourself. consider ourselves YouTubers yet. We're we we solidly TikTokers. We are solidly TikTokers. Fair enough. Um, 30,000 of you follow us on TikTok. You can find the link in the link tree in the bio. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube if you want. But but you don't have to because, again, we're well, not I mean, YouTubers. I'm, we are TikTokers. I mean, I mean but you trying to make the it. jump. You should do it. The, money, the money's in YouTube is the, the hashtag thing. Jump. Yeah. With, I'll, I'm, I'm just going to put it out here. With 30,000 followers, we've had two videos get over a million views. We've had several of them get close to half a million views, and we've had tons get well into the tens of thousands and over 100,000 views. Mm -hmm. And over the course from January 2022, from when we were were entered into the Creator Fund Mm -hmm. until now, December 10th, 2022, we've made $100. If we had the number, we, we have over a million, 1.2 million likes on our videos on TikTok. If we had, if all of those views and likes were on YouTube, mm-hmm. we would be making like a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of money, good money. I think, you know, if you include like Twitch and Twitch like style partnerships and yeah. donations, there's some good money, but there's some good money to be. I am not even, I should say, I'm not even monetized. Any money that I've made off YouTube, I've made, I've made a bunch of money. Uh, I shouldn't say a bunch. If you're the a IRS, sizable amount of money. Uh, a si- I, I've made like a fair amount of money on doing some voice acting stuff and doing projects for that. Mm-hmm. But I've made like, I think in total $50 through YouTube. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. So do you not, mon- do you not turn on ads for your videos? The, the, I can't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not able to get monetized because I, you have to have a certain, although watch I have hours, you don't you have, have to have, I, I have to have a stuff and it's, and it's watch hours in a year. Yeah. So, oh, so it can't, yeah. so although yeah, I have yeah, enough yeah. watch hours in total, like unless you maintain that you can't be monetized, which interesting. I should say for the purposes of the podcast, content creation for me has never been about, it's always, like I said earlier about scratching that itch. So if like the money that I've, uh, you know, I've the, some money that I've made. Um, I've had a, I had a sponsor on my last video, um, uh, and you can, I guess, check that out if you wanted to see who that is. Yeah, you were talking about um, uh, clerics and deities and gods and stuff, right? Yes, uh, that was my second last. I just recently put out a video um, talking about how to use D and D mechanics to make a cult. Oh, the in cult. The game. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, but I've just, you know, I've had like sponsors and I've done stuff for other people and just just made like, you know, I haven't really made that much money making Dungeons and Dragons content, but I li- I really like doing it. I I said it was fifty. It's more than that. It's more than fifty dollars. But yeah. you know. Um, uh, a nominal amount, a, nom- a nominal amount, you know, yes. compared to 
how much money one would need to survive or live. Yeah, Yeah, correct. (laughs) But still, but still, I I enjoy, even though it's not like a lucrative thing, it's what's important to me is, you know, I I like making that sort of content. I like doing that sort of Mm -hmm. thing. And so it's been, it's, I I enjoy doing it. It, I I get to marry two things that I like, the the hobby of Dungeons and Dragons and then content creation, which I think Mm -hmm. is just fun for me. As you said, when you said earlier about like analyzing and that sort of thing, that's a lot of what my content, I think, gears towards of me making arguments (laughs) on the internet, which is the law, the law school guy. Yeah. Wanting to, wanting to make argumentative YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. It's, it, you sound you sound like Grant a little bit. Oh gosh! Even though he's an accountant, he's an accountant. <laughs> another friend of ours. Another friend, another friend that I met through the same friend that yeah. we met. Friends of but, friends. Friends of friends. He's a lot lamer though. He doesn't get into this stuff. The, so the, he's an accountant. So. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing, and this is because I have. Uh, he was actually the best man at my wedding. He is actually way cooler than me. He just does <laughs> unless you die unless you dive deep. He like. He brews his own beer. He's like yeah. a, he's like he an outstanding. Does. I've because yeah. I've brewed beer with him before. He yeah. like is like an outstanding. He's I like tried. I think I tried his beer at uh, Jimmy's second wedding. He's yeah. not been married twice. He, he had two weddings had two because weddings. one of them was in 2020. COVID wedding. Uh, <laughs> uh, he had he he brews his own beer. He's like a a fantastic chef. He had like mm-hmm. a Thanksgiving thing where he made like a full Thanksgiving meal. Um, he's like a good. Uh, mixologist he like mm. every once in a while will come up with his own like um mixed drinks and stuff i don't know cocktails yeah there we go yeah there. i couldn't think of a word he, for yeah it. i mean he's he is very cool just um he hasn't played D&D, so, so we can't, yeah. can't even yeah. consider He's, him for this isn't the, any the, sort of awards. Yeah. yeah, It's not the Grant Podcast. This is a <laughs> podcast about D&D. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to hear the Grant Podcast, please let us <laughs> you know. you got to subscribe to the Patreon. You <laughs> get into the Patreon. That's what the Grant the Podcast is. We'll if you can, if you can find our Patreon <laughs> that doesn't exist. This is the you Scavenger Hunt <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> At the $50 tier. At the $50 tier, we will talk about Grant. Mm. We'll, we'll never talk to Grant. We won't talk to him. It's about, about him. It's not for him. <laughs> the Vanity Podcast for Grant. Of course. Of course. Now, over 20 minutes in. Do you want to do you want about Dungeons and Dragons? Talk about D&D? We get we can I'm happy to keep talking about Feldelab and your content or we could talk about this cleric on Earth Darkana. What are you vibing with? I can. I would like to talk. Yeah, that's fine. As, let's, yeah, let's. How? Let's do. Where? How do you want to approach this? So aggressively. The, yes, very aggressively. <laughs> Clerics the, are yeah. a cleric. So the entire last episode of the podcast, we gave our first impressions of this UA. We broke down every aspect of the cleric class, the life domain subclass. Um, we went over all the changes in the change log of the rules glossary at the back end. Uh, so if you want an in-depth analysis, go check out episode 29 of the Dungeon Bros podcast in the same place that you are listening to this now. Mm-hmm. All the same shit. Um, thousand yard, thousand, 20,000 foot view, whatever, whatever the fucking saying. You know, it's, know. it's, it's difficult to, I think it's, it's when I have been reading these new, um, unearthed arcana that have been coming out about one dnd i'm trying to take everything with a grain of salt because it's like looking at like a portion of the puzzle pieces without seeing like the full thing put together what i think i noticed immediately from reading kind of everything and i think it's um 
bolstered by reading this Unearthed Arcana is I think they're going for like they're I think they're trying to get like more numbers in. I think they want like more um action to make you feel a little bit stronger early yeah. comparative comparatively to five E. Um, where you, everyone just kind of rushes to level three, it feels. It's, Sometimes well, even level five. And I, and I think that maybe that's everyone... How do I put this? I think so much of the gameplay that's done by people in 5th edition is done in the early levels. And so I think they're trying to make those early levels feel a little stronger, maybe? A little the, more meaningful. The, the reason I say that is because like when I look at this specific Unearthed Arcana, one of the things that I notice is that I think and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think divine, uh, the uh, channel divinity is level one now. Yeah, it's not only is it level one; it's like connected to your proficiency bonus. Yes. yes. So you can do. So you can use your channel divinity. You know, now I don't know what the, what was the maximum before. Was it? Three, I think it was. Four? Here I have it right here. We have we have the we. Well, you start why out. He brought you out start out with three. one, and then you get like your second one at like level six or something. Um, Multiple uses. Now now you're gonna uh, start. Yeah, you get uh, use your channel divinity. You use which effect you create. You must then finish a long or short rest before you use it again, and then you get two uses at level six. Yeah. And uh, beginning at level eighteen, you can get three. So now when you get to level eighteen, you're gonna have what? Six uses of channel per, divinity per rest. Per rest. Is it short or long rest in the Arthurcon? Oh, I don't know. Uh, you can use your channel divinity a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and then regain all uses expended when you finish a long rest. I think later you get a. I think later there's a thing in the su uh, in the class where you get it back at a short rest, like level fourteen or something. I don't remember. Uh, the thaumaturge, you get an extra yeah. use back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. That's the the level two. Which, by the way, I love the holy orders. You like the Holy Order? I love it. That gives me, um, I love, I love classes that give you a level of customizability that doesn't go too far like the Artificer did. Mm -hmm. The Artificer went whole ham into the customizability aspect of that class. Oh, oh yeah. They're like, here, choose your, uh, choose your spells and choose your ha modifications and choose this and choose all, this. all of the things. The Warlock treaded Is that a little, line. I was about to say. Treaded that line really well, whereas the artificer went too far, and the level when I'm talking level of customizability, I'm not talking warlock level customize. Like that's what the warlock is. That's what makes it interesting. Mm -hmm. But like fighter level of customizing, right? Where you can like, for example, for this holy order, you can get to choose. Like you can make your guy a little bit more like a spellcaster, yeah. a little bit more martial. Yeah, um, you don't have to pick a specific subclass to go like a war cleric route where you want heavy armor and weapons and like beating yeah. stuff up close range. Yeah, you, you can, can do still that. be a knowledge domain and have heavy heavy armor proficiency. Can, exactly. Which, I, no, I was just going to say, I, I think, you know, my, you know, 30,000 foot level, um, I, I, I like it. I, I, I think the... I think it's fun. I think there's a lot of D8s being thrown around, like between yeah. healing, um, and especially with this life domain that they've kind of put out. I think there's some interesting things. It seems like this, if you were to make a new life domain cleric for one D&D, &D, you're going to have like a lot of different opportunities and ways to, to, to heal, um, which I think is good because I think there's some consensus maybe I'm wrong, that it's always better to do damage than it is to, like, heal yeah. in most circumstances. Pretty but I still, I still think people like that, you know, the the feeling of having someone who can, you know, bring everybody back. And with this new life domain cleric, or, you know, which is also kind of true of the original one, you know, you're getting the ability to heal yourself and heal others, and when they heal you, they get healed, like those sorts of things. Yeah, 5th um, edition D&D &D really lacks that 
separation of oh this is a you know a support role specifically with uh, and a lot of people only look to the life domain cleric to get that that kind of you know medic on the field I'm gonna stand back here and heal while you take a lot of damage yeah I what do you think of the divine spark portion of the channel divinity that allows you to heal as an action 30 foot range you can heal or do damage uh, twice yeah. per day at level one just without a spell slot it seems I think this is what I said earlier like there's a lot of d8s being thrown around mm-hmm. I think because I think they're what this comes in is they really want to make you feel like you're a cleric because I think the reason they've added the divine spark is because they have made channel divinity into a thing where you can use it a lot more times. And so I think they're trying to think of something where, where before where channel divinity was either pretty much turn Turn undead, which is not really that interesting. And also correct. You you can only use it on undead. I think probably the feedback they were getting is I have this cleric, you know, but there's no, there's no sort of like tie in between the cleric sort of as a general class. Like I'm always using my channel divinity for my, life domain or I'm always using my channel divinity at least this one um, you have an ability that you can use uh, just default to, to yeah def- you can you have sort of a default thing where you can heal or you can do a little bit of damage um, it seems fine the the thing that immediately pops out to me is I don't like calling it the magic action I, I'm really <laughs> yeah, gonna have I'm to get yeah, used to it um, there's there's a lot of that going around with these play tests of just like terms being just arbitrarily changed yeah. for yeah. some reason randomly assigned yeah and some of them I'm in favor of like the D20 test as a concept of instead like being able to simplify it to like in any feature description a D20 test as opposed to an attack roll ability, ability check or saving throw I love that. Mm-hmm. Magic action just kind of seems... It's just... Uh, that, you know, I'm trying my hardest not to be... Especially because I started with, you know, quote-unquote started with 5th edition. I'm trying not to be like an old fuddy-duddy and be like, back in my day we had one act. It was just called the action and you'd cast your spell using the action. <laughs> um, I, I'm just still trying to get used to like the ma- like the magic action um, of it all. A lot of... If you've seen my content on YouTube, so much of it... Um, I am trying to, I try to analyze different portions of the text with one another. I do a lot of, um, analysis of, especially kind of looking between the player's handbook and the dungeon master's guide mm-hmm. and the, the language specifically as it's written and, and how it can be interpreted or how it's supposed to work with the rules. So I'm interested to see how the book, you know, once, once one DD is kind of quote unquote out, how it's yeah. going to read as like the magic action. The, cause if. I've, I feel like, I feel, no, you're totally fine. This is, Norm, this is about you. This is about you. You're, you're, don't want to go to your head, but. Okay. We've already got a fairly large one, but. You can't see it. It's it's, it's pretty big. (laughs) But the, to me, it's like, at the table, you're not going to say, I'm going to use the magic action to use my channel divinity, divine spark. Mm -hmm. You're going to say, I'm going to use my action to divine spark. Mm Mm-hmm. It, I feel like it's just adding a lot of a lot of the descriptions and changes of names and I get it why they want to do it. They want to differentiate like the attack because there is a lot of confusion with new players about like, oh, I want to ca- like casting a spell and making an attack or mm-hmm. like what like 
you can you can tell that with first time players the what you the difference between like the bonus action the reaction the the action and what you can do with each of them on each of your turns mm-hmm. I mean, that yeah, balancing I've, I've got so many friends you know playing we've been playing every week for almost three well not every week but we've been playing every month for three years and they still go all right well now that i'm fifth level i have two actions no you have two attacks when you take the attack action yes um and other things there is a lot of that where they're uh because we all, all you know being magic the gathering fans as well so there's a lot of that that wizards of the coast does with oh this you know on a magic card it says haste that means a specific thing. And it looks like they're trying to do that. And they have some really good ones, like making more conditions. The grapple condition. The daze condition. Slowed. The slowed mm-hmm. condition. I love that that's just a condition now instead of a long description in a spell. Of like, <laughs> right. of like it, there's difficult yeah. terrain in this. Like, it, technically, you're moving through difficult terrain, even though there's no the terrain's not changed. But yeah. yeah. That sort of thing. And, and so uh, seeing that that concept of, of giving us a rules glossary. And so I see why they're trying to put in the magic action... But again, it might be over simplifying or over, maybe even over complicating just a simple concept. It seems it, I think the reason it seems odd to me is because like you were saying before, clearly the D20 test is a way to try and short shore up parts of the book where why do we have to say, you know, in all these places where we're just going to say, um, you know, ability check, saving throw, um, attack. attack, you know. You can shore it up by saying D20 test. It seems like this is doing the opposite way where normally where you would just mean action or, you know, cast a spell, maybe replacing with magic action, using action twice makes it a little bit more complicated. But ultimately, like I said, it's looking at just the puzzle pieces or just a portion of the puzzle pieces right now. And there's obviously still room to change because this is all unearth arcana exactly exactly moving on with the cleric though. before we move on though i do want oh. to, i want to take a oh, step just back immediate, just immediately well because no, we're moving you, in then. yeah fuck you connor <laughs> go to hell um no uh uh going back to the the overview how do you feel about the standardization of classes getting their subclass at third level because previously yeah. the uh the cleric warlock sorcerer all would get their druid. subclass druid all prior to most of the other classes i I don't know if I have if I have any strong feelings about it. I didn't think it was. I guess I try to understand the decision making process for for something like for like warlock, for example. You're gonna want that earlier because, as you were saying early, like there's like a degree of customization that they'd like to start early. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if the idea is you're going to want to try and standardize everything or, or allow that customi- customization to begin like at a standard point for everybody, I think it makes sense. But I, I, don't, I don't think I have any super strong feelings one way or the other about it. Uh, a couple of our uh, TikTok friends, uh, one person who we've interviewed, uh, he calls himself the Professor. Uh, he, he has a he's designed full on homebrew classes for D and D, and they're actually pretty cool. Very martial, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very much not a fan of bringing everything up to level three mm-hmm. uh, for the same reason of customizability. And some classes you really want to make that decision earlier. Um, we also had another another one, uh, Dungeon Mistress Paula, who is a, a big TikTok. Well. A friend of ours and a fairly notable TikToker in the D&D community, she she agrees with the Wizards of the Coast description of we want to do everything at level three because if you're brand new to the game, 
want some time. You want you want to learn how to play the game before spending an app. Like it's the difference between I need like forty five minutes to make a character mm-hmm. start to end, and I need an hour and a half to make a character start to end. Yeah. Like a spellcaster is going to add complexity. A cleric, a warlock are going to be a lot more complex at level one mm-hmm. than a fighter. Right. And trying to make that easier. And uh, something she pointed out of letting gameplay decide character mechanic decisions you make later on. That's a really good point. I think um, in terms of making that decision early, there are some things. Maybe I'm coming at it from a perspective of someone who's played so much Dungeons and Dragons and, and have created so many characters over the years. But for some of the classes, and I had this, not argument, but discussion with one of my friends, uh, Rymac, um, the other day online about the Paladin, for example. When you read Paladin in 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons, the very first thing it tells you is the most important thing that you are going to do is have an oath. Paladins do not, in 5th edition, do not have to get their power from a god. They get their powers from their oath and like their devotion towards some sort of holy quest. By the way, get excited to have your oath at level 3 and not at yeah. level 1 when you get your power. And it's a little, like, I, so I can see why you might want to have that, start that stuff a little bit earlier, especially for something like, you know, the Paladin, that essentially the whole impetus behind your character begins at the very beginning and that's true i mean that might not be the same for like a rogue but certainly where you're a cleric where you're getting your stuff you know you're you're determining who you are and where your power comes from i can see why you'd want to have that a little bit earlier i think it's odd and i'm I'm curious to see you know what one D does with it because there's a portion in the player's handbook describing making your paladin that's like by the way, you're going to get like you're going to pick your oath at level 3. We're letting you know that now. So you have your oath beforehand. So pick your oath now, yeah. but just make sure your oath like will line up with where you're going to be when you get to level 3. And if you don't have a careful reading of how to create that class, I can see why it's a little bit weird to be like cuz this is the argument I was having with Rymac. He was saying it's weird that you pick your oath at level 3. It's like you don't Technically, you're supposed to pick it earlier. It's just your power de- of your oath develops, develops. Yeah. at level yeah. three. And I think that's, I don't think that becomes immediately apparent in the way that it's written. And I'm not sure it does here necessarily. Um, but, you know, that's the. Uh, either, either way, it's not something that's so important to me or I think is so grand of a, of a thing that it's, it, the effect is super important to me, if that makes yeah. sense. I. I get exactly what you're saying, but I think a lot of that can just be fixed with some flavor text at the beginning changing because they've already changed the flavor text for some of the classes and a lot of the races as well. Or Mm -hmm. sorry, species. They're species now. We were calling them races in the first look episode. Mm. They're they're species now, which is that something we're going to talk about today? I that's mean, in this one. That's in it this is one. in this one. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about it. It seems kind of arbitrary to me personally. Mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like that's just the trend in TTRPGs. They're moving away from the term race just because that is now a loaded word. Yeah. I think to at the and I should I'll clarify for the podcast that I'm like a white guy uh, <laughs> as well. Um, I think it's pretty fly for one though. Uh, thank you. I, I think if if we to, to talk on that topic, at least all the. Um, content that I've seen surrounding it is that one of the problems a lot of people had with the use of race was that it obviously it had some like implications for the way that 
people handle real life race. And yeah. so the sort of there's a there's a uh, a YouTuber, another lawyer YouTuber who uh, his name he goes by Legal Kimchi uh, on YouTube. He made a he made a video about bioessentialism in Dungeons and Dragons, and he talks about how um, what the, is bioessentialism? It's that. Uh, basically, your genetics are going to control the genetics are going to control everything. And God, okay, thank yeah. You. And, His, and, you and if you watch the video, he talks. He talks about. I think he started made the video when there was some conversation around, um, like the in, some races being inherently evil is mm-hmm. mainly what that video yeah. is actually yeah. focused on. But the the idea that some of the for example, if you have like a, a quote unquote race uh, in Dungeons and Dragons that's inherently dumber than another one or inherently stronger than another one, and it has just when you use race, it's kind of a it it just has sort of problematic considerations for um, the way that race is used in the real world, especially with when a lot of fantasy, the history of fantasy, yeah. has used race yeah. as um, a uh, like a parallel has has used fantasy races as a parallel to real world races and so i see what you're saying of there's the 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 attempt for a lot of like for example wizards of the coast has been to move away from Mm -hmm. using that sort of same language to try and make people more comfortable but i think species is like makes it it's almost like worse they're making it they're dehumanizing your characters because species to me for one that feels more of a sci-fi word than a fantasy word and then species, species. Oh God, I'm already fucking it up. Yeah. Species. It, it it's like okay, you're more animal than you are humanoid. And which is weird because like species almost imply like the two species can't like inter you know can't create exactly. like but they you can in Dungeons and Dragons like yeah, there's everyone, half elves, half orcs. You can be half anything really. Right, and so it's a little bit odd. I wished. In, in I did read the blog post that Jeremy Crawford I think put out when they decided that when once this came out this this um, unearthed arcana Jeremy Crawford put out a at least I think it was Jeremy Crawford mm-hmm. put out a blog post explaining like this is why we decided to move this decision and they say like they've have been saying for a while that they've had a lot more sort of cultural sensitivity consultants come in to help with the creation of one D and D. And even in spite of that, they're like, we asked all our consultants and they said species. I just don't know why they wouldn't. I think Pathfinder uses Ancestry. Ancestry, I think, think is totally fine. Yeah. Just, and I've heard I, other creators, uh, Matt Colville starts, started using Ancestry instead of mm-hmm. race several years ago for the same reason. Right. I, I, I'm all in favor of the change. All, all in favor of the change to Ancestry. I? I. I, I perfect. Yeah. Uh, so Wizards of the Coast cuts the check. There, maybe, and, and again, <laughs> it's all subject. So like maybe if they get some feedback from this, they'll maybe move it. Um, yeah. But to what you were saying earlier about the the term race being problematic in that like, oh, certain racers are stronger or less intelligent or more intelligent than others. Do you think that it's been already remedied? Because now ability scores are whatever you want them to be, regardless yeah, the of what. Cha- move to the you, the floating plus two plus one or three plus one. And now with the first UA with character creation, none of the races or species or ancestries have dedicated ability score increases. And that's why I think it's such a it's so weird to have made that change and then to go to species. Yeah, like that's I think to to an extent. You know, ultimately, it's a, it's a, it's a game, and so I think 
you know, we have to, when I look at, you know, what I value in terms of how Wizards of the Coast changes everything, I would value, you know, making sure the most people are comfortable playing it. And I don't really care so much about the term. I knew, know, do know that there's a certain number of people that even though they've sort of, sort of changed that inherent, you know, there, there are abilities that are inherent to different races, still think that the use of race is a little strange given some of the underlying uh, aspects and given some yeah. of the history of the use of the term in fantasy. I, but but I do agree. I think I think there was a move by Wizards of the Coast when they did that in Tasha's to try and remedy some of that to say, hey, your character and in their abilities are going to derive more from their backgrounds, which is another thing that um, one uh, one D and D is focusing on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, like it's sidebar. more from their background. Quick sidebar: level one feats on backgrounds. You like them or don't like them? Uh, it's <laughs> difficult. It's so difficult. To level one. Which I, I don't. Did I you kinda, watch? I haven't. I haven't sat down and like tried to make because nothing's out yet. I was. Let me make a full character. Let me go through that yeah. process of like making a character in full. Once I know what the game is about, I think they're fine for right now. So, I like the options that they. Some of the options they put out. I think they're fine, but I don't know how I'm gonna feel once everything yeah. has to come together. What I will say, they did. Uh, they made a long, like, 45 minute video going over the results of their original um, survey of mm-hmm. the first the character creation UA and by and large the most popular one with like almost like I think it was I think he said over 90% approval rating which is just unfathomable for them was feats at level one on backgrounds it's it looks it's fun I like some of the stuff that they put out um I'm so hesitant to be put in a corner on any of this stuff because I'm going to uh, now, now. How dare record, you? I want to be on record. For, here's what I'm saying. Your opinions a, are never allowed to change, I Norm. This is record, the Internet. I want to be on record forever saying I like it. How about that? That's, <laughs> I, I like what they put out so far. Sure. Um, but just to wrap up the, the, yes, the, the, the race, race the race thing, I think I more than anything, I think that Wizards of the Coast is doing better by, at the very least, bringing in people that have probably never been consulted before mm-hmm. in this space to try and make one D&D look more like, or I don't think Cater sort of has a negative connotation to it, but like to, accessible to, to, to make it more accessible because Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, and I'm sure you both know this, is the most successful thing mm-hmm. Like the in terms of like monetary, it's it's been extremely successful both in how much it's sold and the different types of people that are playing it. There's all types of new people playing it, so obviously you're getting newer perspectives. So I don't mind them. Or in in fact, I I like the fact that they're trying to address some of those things because I think ultimately it will sort of be better if it if it makes more people play and makes it more accessible. And I also just like the plus two, plus one for it's any. It's so much easier. It's, oh it's God, so yes. much easier. And you can still get, like, you pick an Aarakocra, you get wings, or, you know, depending on which version of the Aarakocra you play, or, you know. If there's going to one. be an Aarakocra. Yeah, the... we'll see. Like, they, I think they're trying to, they're they're trying to, at least from what I'm seeing in this, if we talk about some of the racial aspects that they're mm-hmm. throwing in, at least in this Unearthed Arcana, it seems as like, okay, plus two, plus one. Maybe not a good enough reason to pick this race, you know. Now since you're picking whatever race you want, let's give you some reasons to pick Goliath. Yes. And there's here's like five different Goliaths you can play. Yeah. Here's here's a bunch of different. I forget the name of the animal. The people, Ardlings. The Ardlings that you can play. The, did you you do you like the move, the move away from like the celestial vibe Ardling that was stepping on the toes of the ASMR, and now it's like now you're just furries. I think you just I think you when you. <laughs> 
eventually when you're making I, I I think this anyway when you're coming up with fantasy races I think you're you can only have so many types of things to play that eventually they all just sort of start to like feel like each other yeah like a lot of the sort of stereotype maybe not stereotypes that you would like get for like a dwarf can kind of in some aspects is a lot like the Goliath. It's just like one's really small and one's really tall, but <laughs> yeah. like they're both like stout mountain dwelling, like yeah. tribal sort of organizations. Um, so you're always going to have some overlap, but I, I like the furry thing. I think it's fun. I like, I like, <laughs> you're, the, you are I want to be furry. a shark. Well, I want to be a, what's, what would you be if you're a, a shark? Cause there was the, sh- there's like the a swimmer, a swimmer, the swimmer group. Yeah. But if it's like, it's not like a scaly, what do sharks have? They don't have, Oh, um, a, oh, that's so skin. skinny. Yeah. No, that's, oh, bad. that's, that's I don't bad. like that. I don't like that at all. <laughs> I want to be a show. I want to have someone call Kanye. <laughs> I want to have my swim speed. I want to be able to. I have not done like a water campaign, like a like yeah. a boaty type of you know or lake. I want to do a campaign where there's a lot of water. We almost we almost did. We got we got almost to call of the Nether Deep. Uh, we call of the Nether Deep is just on pause. There, there might need to be some restructuring, but. We we also did we oh, also one, started yeah. a pirate campaign in Wildmount, which is one of the critical role settings in Exandria, and one of the adventures in there is a level one to three adventure that's all on the coast, mm-hmm. and then at the end you get the option you can take the ship and go on shipping adventures, or you can stay on the land you can go on land adventures, and they and chose the the table of seven that I was DMing, that was problem number one, it was the table of seven. <laughs> <laughs> wanted to go on the boat yeah, and so yeah. we were doing we, we start we doing were at the stuff. beginning of boat stuff and it was going to be cool boat stuff we had not not to the, be confused the exact but yeah, yeah the exact opposite i'm in a um uh, uh curse i mean <laughs> totally not he's like what do you like, want yeah. to do? he's like yeah uh, okay they make a butt stuff joke butt moving stuff on joke yeah i'm moving as far away from the boat stuff, butt stuff <laughs> joke as possible i tried to get past it you made it the focus this is the grant podcast the butt stuff grant podcast butt stuff we, grant vanity podcast we did so i had um when i did that the campaign that i'm talking about it was called antumbra it was a homebrew campaign um, um, uh, that you can find online if you search Capin C A P dash N Cheeky C H E E K I Capin Cheeky. Uh, all of his stuff is on his YouTube channel. But one of my friends, there, I was a pirate in that campaign, and there was some amount of like, f- you know, water stuff. We were on a boat. We were going to different islands and stuff every once in a while. And one of my friends, um, she goes by Eldritch uh, Sugar on online. She's a YouTube animator. She decided for our Curse of Strahd campaign, this one is not streamed, but for our Curse of Strahd campaign, she's like, I'll make a pirate. And so <laughs> she's a she's a pirate in Curse of Strahd. No, basically like no water, no water. in Curse of Strahd, in, in, yeah. in Barovia. Is that right? Barovia? Yes, it's Barovia. 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 Okay. Transylvania, pirate. it's fine. Yeah. It's so every fun. once in a while, they're like, are you, people, all the characters are like, are you a pirate? And she's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a pirate. They're like, well, there's not really any water here. She's like, yeah, I, I know. It's, it's fine. I'm still a pirate. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're a vampire ate my captain. There you go. Yeah. I mean, you can get, in, in that campaign, you can get transported to random parts of the other yeah. dimensions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Totally fine. There's some water to be had. There Just is. not a lot. There is. If you try to drown straw, Un- how would that work? Unlike Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, there's not too much water in that's like a 2015 callback like, how far back is that for that 2015 is not that long IGN ago. like, like almost review of Omega <laughs> Sapphire is that what you're doing here Omega Ruby Omega, and Alpha Sapphire well, Alpha Sapphire Norb. I don't play the Pokemon I have not played I have not played the newest Pokemon game oh I, I don't know sidebar 
played up through Gen 4, skipped 5, played Gen 6, because I had a 3DS and I wanted something to play in college, and mm. I was a little depressy. And then played Omega Ruby, or sorry, Alpha Sapphire, because I love Gen 3, and that's my favorite, and that's where I stopped. I've played like a third of uh, Pearl. This is your Skyrim equipment. <laughs> oh yeah, I put a thousand hours in the Skyrim. Um, whoa, whoa, you, hold on, hold on. In my, this house, you get Pokemon or you get no, Skyrim? No, 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 no. My Skyrim equivalent is Kingdom Hearts 2. You put a lot of time into Kingdom Hearts 2? I can do anything in Kingdom Hearts 2. My Skyrim was um, the Binding of the Isaac. Skyrim. <laughs> the Binding of Isaac. I have, I have right. like a thousand hours in The Binding of Isaac. I play that game so much. It was a lot. I feel like a close second for me would be Persona 5. Okay. That's a good one. What were Harry we ta- got me on all this. Oh, that's fair enough. Yeah. What were we talking about? Um, one sh- D&D. The scaly. What, the the scaly. The furries. Yes, yeah. the furries. Moving on. So we've, we've, we've touched on the cleric. Doing t- touching the cleric? I'm good with... T- I'm done touching the cleric okay. because we've already touched the races now. Sorry, mm-hmm. the species. The species. That makes that makes it more uncomfy. The ancestries. Sure. We, we, we voted on I it. I would really like that, yeah. I'm, I'm, I would, I'm much in favor of, the, of a change to ancestries, personally. And now we have the change log at the end. Uh, there's the list in front of you. We can talk about anything in specific that you want. I'm going to bring up a couple of things. You you have made a video response previously to one Pack Tactics. I on have. The, on the YouTube. I have. Now, the Pack Tactics recently came out with a video very much in favor of the aid spell. Okay. You're familiar with the aid spell. Temporary HP for some Now it is now, now it is one temporary. One D and D it is temporary HP. Previously it was you heal five HP to three creatures and their max HP also increases. increases by five. And now it is temporary HP, which the whole reason Pack Tactics was highlighting that spell is because aid for one, increases your hit point maximum, mm-hmm. so you can heal beyond your maximum hit points later in the fight. And then also the combat utility, the only time you'd ever cast it in combat, if you had like two or three people down, mm-hmm. you can get all of them up with just a flat 5 HP to all of them, and mm-hmm. then they're conscious. With temporary HP, you don't get either of those benefits. Once it is depleted, it's gone. It's not going to stack with like um, the fucking the feet the the feet that's the inspire inspiring, inspiring leader, leader. <laughs> inspiring leader mm-hmm. that gives you temping any other things it's not going to stack right. you're not gonna be able to use it in combat anymore um i feel very strongly that i don't like this change and it seems arbitrary because aid wasn't one of those spells that was seemingly spammed all the time no i have it on a cleric that i'm, I'm running in curse of stride right now and i don't think i use it that often, but I definitely see what you're. I think I'm. I haven't watched Pack Tactics video, so I don't know exactly what their opinion is. But I know that I think I'm more in agreement with you. I think the the worst that can probably be said, based on what you've said about the aid as it exists in Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition, is that it's maybe a little complicated. Like you maybe you don't get to really see those benefits unless you know about some of those things. Yeah. Like exactly how HP works or exactly how temp HP works. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. ultimately. Like, it seems like it's really not that much of a change, but I definitely see what you're saying of mm-hmm. if you have a increase to your to your maximum. Especially at level three when you'd get access to it. Exactly. You'll have you'll have the ability to, you know, get more people up. You'll you're if they get hit, they have less of a chance of dying mm-hmm. if it's a really strong attack. Um, at level three, a five HP buff to your max mm-hmm. and current 
could be as much as like 20, 25% of your HP pool. Right. That's yeah. a non-insignificant amount. And I, li- I and I do get me wrong. I like temp HP, but I think with the way, unless they change the way the te- temporary HP works where they don't stack with so, one another, you just take the highest one. So far, they haven't, there hasn't been any rules glossary about temp HP. Right. So there has, we, we haven't seen any changes about that yet. Yeah. Because I played a, I've, I played a, um, what is it? An L or not an eloquence bard. Um, it's where you get the inspiration. You can like move your people around. Glamour. Glamour. Mm-hmm. Glamour bar. You get to give like a million. That class is broken. That subclass is broken. You can give like, you bar. give people a ton of temp HP. I did that and then I had played that campaign with a, um, a druid of the stars who also can give like a lot of temp HP with one of their aspects. And we were always like fighting about like who, like, you know, who's giving more, like who has the higher temp yeah. HP giving. Our DM hated us for that. <laughs> so we all like would top everybody up on temp HP. Yeah. Um, I like. I think I like the way that the aid spell worked. And, and to me, that's the only reason I bring it up is it just seems like an odd thing to change in the first place. It may be for the reason that I'm saying that, like, just upon looking at aid as it exists in 5e, you're probably looking at it like, why, why don't they just give temp HP? That would be so much less complicated yeah. without actually sort of thinking about some of the more beneficial aspects yeah. of it. it. With with temp HP, there's ways that you can get more than five temporary HP that are going to be better mm-hmm. in most any regard. I mean, a lot of the time they are individual, um, like the 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 undead warlock mm-hmm. in their form of dread or the druid technically i think their animal form is temp is considered temp hp i know because it can be healed it can i don't know it, there's you, a weird rule assume, there's some weird rules about it and i sidebar within a sidebar i believe i think, I think we're, yeah we're now. on the bar we've, yeah. we've i think we're just on the bar the yeah. yeah we're taking the bar now's the sidebar is this what the par is this what the bar exam is like it's not like this at all okay. i wish okay. it was because <laughs> i think the i think the wild shape is like polymorph where you assume the stat block of the creature sans intelligence wisdom charisma so you assume that hp pool and when it gets depleted anything carries over to your humanoid hp pool yeah. We and could I look think it, it can I be don't care. I don't care enough either. Um, but it, it, it's one of those things where it's like, I've not heard. Oh, I'm gonna. I need to remember to talk to the mic. I haven't <laughs> heard that many people. I've. I've. You know, we. It's obvious that people at Wizards of Coast do have an ear to the ground when it comes to their content because they address some things like uh, the in this in this UA. They change how the life domain cleric. Oh, when you heal, it has to be on the turn that you heal them that you get bon- uh, bonus healing as well as opposed to like the good berry spell being um assault abused in that way i don't really hear i hear people go oh eight is a good spell and here's why you should take it but also i mean you you hear that for plenty of other spells so why was this one one they decided to change Mm -hmm. unless we have an upcoming rules glossary maybe when they release the the druid and and paladin where it's like oh a bunch of healing spells have been rewritten for some reason yeah that's the only thing that would make sense to me is if they were just redoing how healing they want healing to function, mm-hmm. and they might be. I mean, I, we we again we don't have. We, you would think that if they were going to do that, it would be in the cleric life domain cleric UA. Yeah, but <laughs> right. Anyway, some other spells that were that were changed. Can I can I ask a you question have? of the two? Well, there's it's Please. in it's in this, and I well. It's in this, but it has been in another one. So you both might have addressed it in a previous podcast. But 
Um, how do we feel about the changing, like the separation of the classes into like the expert, mm. the warrior, the, groups. the, I forget what the other ones are off the, the top expert, of my head. Mage. Warrior, mage, and uh, priest. 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 I th- first of all, I think priest is just a weird one to put the druid in. Rename that one. I'm, I don't know about Sam. I, it seems just arbitrary to me. I get it because they've also they've also tied it to the feats. Like, oh, you can only take certain feats if you're part of the warrior class or the expert class. Um, but overall, I, I agree it is mostly arbitrary. I get that they're trying to create more uh, dichotomy between the different sorts of classes. And, and, oh, you choose this set of classes for this reason. But we don't know. You know it's one of those things where it's like... I don't know, is my DM going to specifically restrict me? If I make a really cool, if I make a really cool, uh, uh, you know, battle cleric, are they going to restrict me from taking the whatever, you know, this feat over here, the, maybe the weapons expert or the shield expert or something, because I'm not a warrior? That's kind of the question we have to consider. I love nitpicking sentences when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to reading these things. If you watch Based as, on the little I know about you, that makes sense. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. There's well, well, what you were saying earlier is pack tactics, and I should start off by saying I have no gripe with pack tactics. We uh, love we love pack what, tactics. What I'm what I'm about love to say. Maxer. I I had messaged him, uh, Kobold on uh, Discord and had talked to him about making the video that I made about responding to one of the things he made. Before I even made the video, I talked to him about it. Um, and Pack Tactics made a video talking about how, like, Revivify doesn't work because they the Wizard of the Coast wrote the spell yeah. wrong. And I completely disagree. And I made, like, a 16-minute video <laughs> walking through, like, every single aspect of it. And so I, I love um, I love sort of, like, focusing in on like one you know a type of sentence um and why it was put in so let me ask how because when i read this I, I wanted to get your thoughts on it when it's talking about the class groups it says when creating a party of adventurers one way to form a well-rounded group to include at least one member of each class group so one warrior one priest one mage and one expert has that been your experiences when create when creating um do you do you find mm. that like when you create when you Get together with a group of four. Do you find that most people will make one where they have an expert, a mage, a priest, and a warrior? I will say no. So I, I DM a lot more than I play, but I've played... Anyway, mm. when I DM, I'm often helping new people create characters, and there is a lot of people who kind of have that idea of, oh, I need to focus. What's everybody else doing? Like, I, I want to make sure we have around... I'm, look, play the character you want to play, and I, as the DM, am going to create encounters that are difficult for you because of who you've chosen or complementary to who you've chosen, like give you what you want to play. Um, I think the idea that there is some, there is some overall natural balance for having each one of these especially goes away once you hit higher levels. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Once you get, any, as I think we've said previously, once whatever i think it's ninth level that spellcasters get access to fifth level spells Mm -hmm. once you hit that tier like all bets are off for balancing (laughs) i feel (laughs) you know like polymorph like you could still kind of work with you can massage like those fourth level spells into like interesting encounters but once you get above that it's like all right i need to throw a pool of hit points and some weird crazy shit at you oh yeah to get a good challenge um 
I I think, and they put in there, and I should say before I go any further, there's a sentence right after it that says, that said, mix and match classes to your heart's content. What's frustrating to me is whenever I play, the last two times that I have run a one-shot for a group of new players, they have had some sort of fantasy literacy when it comes to role-playing games based around, like, I have played Warcraft before. I have played World of Warcraft before. Mm-hmm. Or I have played another yeah. table I've played another online MMO. So they come to me and they say, I want our party to be well rounded. What's the healing class? What's the utility class? Because I want to make it well rounded. Do we have a tank? And I for so long oh, I have tried we, to say to people, you don't need a tank. Yeah. Just no you, one's you're all gonna take damage. You can't it, tank in yeah, a role-playing you, game. There's <laughs> like like don't worry about healing. Like you can there's heal no your people aggro. If you want. <laughs> There's the, the, these. This system is not designed in a way where well-rounded, in my opinion, makes a lot of sense. So to see that in there, where it's like now, wanna, where it, it sort of implies that they want you want to have a well-rounded group. I get wanting to have characters that are like different enough to make it interesting and that sort of thing. Different skill sets, I think, is what they're getting at without actually saying it with these class groups. Right, and I wish they would. I wish it would maybe be a little bit more experienced. I hope that how that doesn't come off to someone who might be reading this, uh, like a, a dungeon master for the first time. I hope there's not a dungeon master who picks up a book like this and says, "Okay, guys, we got to make sure we have a, like a well-rounded." "Quote unquote party, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, the the focus shouldn't be like on, especially not if it if it means well rounded as to when, when it comes to like combat or that yeah. sort of thing. E- even even to go a step further, I wouldn't want to see somebody new be like, no, you can't you can't play a wizard and you can't play a sorcerer or you can't play two wizards right. because that that won't you you won't be able to play. That's not how the game works and or whatever. Right. Um, With the class groups specifically." When you look at what classes are in what group, I mean, the fighter, barbarian, and monk are obviously your up, cl- your up close marshals. Sure, yeah. Your sorcerer, warlock, wizard are your blaster mages. Then the bard and ranger and rogue are generally like party support or niche. But even with the expert class, they talked about in the previous UA how each of the experts dips into what another class group Does. is doing. Mm-hmm. So, like, the rangers dipping into the warrior, the rogue also kind of dipping into the warrior, and Maybe then the bard... The priest, the bard, the into bar- the... Yeah. Bard, I mean, and even, well, even moving forward to this UA, with the, um, uh, the cleric second level ability... The holy order. The holy order, you kind of see that, where one is... You get the weapon proficiencies. That's a little more warrior. One's a little more skill-based, and one's a little more magic-based. And that that is that is a very good point because that's something I clued into where it's like the experts they very explicitly said each of these has a bent towards one of the other mm-hmm. class groups as well. And now we're with the priests specifically with the cleric, and you do get that little bent towards each of the ones with the cleric. And I bet that these other classes, the more and more we get, we're going to see like, oh, you can make, you can make your wizard that's going to be a blaster mage, but you can also make your wizard that's really really intense intelligent and has a lot of skill proficiencies or your wizard that maybe can wear light armor and has a dagger like a blade singer yeah where there's that overlap sort of the way that they've added holy orders for the, yeah. for the cleric class yeah. and i bet we're going to see fighting styles that are going to because they introduced in tasha's the fighting styles for the ranger and the paladin that give them mm-hmm. access to cantrips mm-hmm. i wouldn't be surprised if it's just like all right, fighter, you can take the fighting style where you learn an arcane cantrip of your choice. Mm-hmm. And then, assumably, we'll have a, the still have an Eldritch Knight. Exactly. And we'll still have a... I mean, subclasses will obviously have to dip into 
mm-hmm. other other groups. Yeah. I think with their idea with the class group is just partially to help newer players to be like, because in the PHB, it's just the list of all the classes by alphabetical order. Mm-hmm. And you don't really get a good way to individually see, oh, a bard is a spellcaster that helps the party. Oh, a paladin is, yes, they're up front and fighting and can do a lot of damage, but they offer a lot of party support because they're more utility and defensive and supportive. Mm-hmm. And what's the difference between a barbarian and a fighter? Like that kind of stuff. And now we've grouped them into groups that it's like, okay, the warriors are going to be just, they're up and fighting and hitting things and the experts are going to be really useful for out of combat and skills and have things that help them outside of just doing damage and and so on and so forth and then obviously it's going to be a lot easier for them on a game design perspective to be like all right here's the and they kind of got at this but then even with the different spell lists now the arcane divine and primal but even that goes across class group lines. So it's like, it, I feel like they're just adding more categories so that they have more versatility to simply throw a word out and not have to list out everything when they yeah. make a new thing. I, I, think abs- I think that's absolutely correct. If there's anything that you can tell by what has come out so far about 1D&D is they're really trying to develop... I think the way that they're looking at it, if I were to guess, is... We have a now a whole group of people because they're. I think they're cognizant of the fact that so many play, people play fifth editions, dun, like Dungeons and Dragons. That they're like, we have a whole group of people. They have already are comfortable with a language that has been developed. We need to add to that. Like, if we could tap into their ability to understand like types of gaming language, mm-hmm. we can make we can streamline a lot of this stuff so that we're not having to put in. You know. You, you know, you can use this, you know, you, you're you a bard and you have an ability that, like, grants you access to anything from, like, the wizard spell list except for maybe this or this spell, which is maybe something they wanted to do in the past but couldn't because they didn't have that language. But now they can say, okay, I have a bard who has a subclass that gets, at, you know, can take this aspect of the primal spells. Mm-hmm. Or you can have any fifth level or under you know, arcane spell. So I think they're, I think they're really trying to let you call them categories, like try to develop like some of this language or maybe refine some of the language that people, the concepts that people are already familiar with. I don't know if I would necessarily call it refining personally. I feel like they're just adding new category. So like you have a spell Mm -hmm. and previously the categories were level school of magic casting time were like the big ones Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and now they're adding on well and then also class spell list and now they're adding on class they're they're adding like three full types of spell lists and now they're adding class groups so maybe like the because the bard gets access to arcane spells but only certain spells from the only certain schools of magic from the arcane list so they're adding more categories, but the one that they're cho- the ones that they're specifically choosing to categorize to make the main lists, it, it feels like they're shoehorning themselves even more. Because with the last UA with the Bard, you get access to the arcane spell list, but only like I think it was illusion, abjuration, and enchantment spells. Mm-hmm. 
So instead of having the bard spell list that just conveniently took all those things, I think mainly it comes down to whenever they presented in the final book, having an elegant solution to be like, what are like the schools of magic or like something better than just a- right. It would it would suck to be like, all right, I'm a bard. All right, I want to take this spell. Go to the spell page. Nope, can't take it because it's evocation. Go to this one. Can I take this? Nope, can't take that one. Yeah, I, yeah. you know it, whether I don't I don't know. Maybe just put because <laughs> the I, simplest solution is going to be spell dash school magic. But, but still maybe, then, but maybe you. So correct me if I'm wrong. If you if you disagree or agree with me that some of these categories that they're making, like for example, they're making an expert class group. They're making a primal spell list because. The idea, I think, is that they're going to, it makes it easier to be referential to those mm-hmm. things at other places. Yes. Which if we could then transport ourselves to Wizards of the Coast, where they're writing, they've got the guy at the table and he's writing the one D&D book. I think what's happening is Jeremy Crawford got all the data and he's like, look, people love feats. You need to, uh, we'll, call, we'll call him Connor. Connor, you need to write <laughs> one million feats. And he's yeah. like, and Connor's like, that's going to take me a really long time. There's a lot of like complicated stuff in here. <laughs> and Jeremy Crawford is like, Connor, we will make categories so you don't have to hurt your little fingies writing out like <laughs> Bard Ranger Rogue. You can just write expert, Connor. I need <laughs> one million feats on my desk tomorrow <laughs> yeah so it's i think i think like i do think that like there's some aspect of there if they want to make customization you know they want to make more options they want to make you know uh they want to put in a lot of different customizable mm-hmm. things it's easier to customize when you have like a very easy like handle you can grab onto and plug and play yeah and it seems like that's what they're doing they're trying to make a lot more plug and play happen yeah. with this with this edition i i agree with that I I just question which categories they're choosing to use and how they want and how those categories are going to affect things like the trickle effect down the line cuz having to rewrite a bunch of spells for different class lists I'm mm-hmm. sure is annoying mm-hmm. but when you're a sorcerer it doesn't matter what's on the wizard list cuz you're a sorcerer and you have the sorcerer list mm-hmm. now as a as a sorcerer presumably presumably there's go- you're just going to have access to everything that's the same as the wizard. But in the case of the bard, who would also get access to the arcane list, they didn't have access to everything. Right. So is the wizard going to be the only one that has access to everything? What about the warlock? Are they only going to have certain schools of magic? Now that list that you've combined everything and streamlined, because it is streamlined, you don't now have... You can't drill down into the details that you right. need in your specific situation. You you risk making it too simple, and therefore, like to make customization a little bit easier, yes. it becomes sort of less customizable. Yes, if that makes sense. Or not even less customizable, just the ways that they're choosing to go about it. That I've seen with the assuming that the bard is the template for how other full spellcasters are going to do this. Mm-hmm. Because they only had access to certain schools of magic within a list, that makes their pool of spells a lot less, but there's not a condensed... They've already... And I will say, they have talked about, like, oh, the bard is going to have... Like, there's going to be an easy way... They're going to make an easy way that, like, oh, the bard... They're going to have, like, certain classes have a list. And in my mind, I'm at that point, like, why are we combining the lists then? If certain classes are going to need a specific spell list to mm-hmm. describe what spells they get, like the ranger only gets access to certain spells from the primal list. 
So they're going to need their own spell list. Well, the bard only gets access to certain schools of magic from the, from the arcane list, so they're going to need their own list. Obviously, the wizard's probably going to get everything. The sorcerer might only get, like, evocation and, abjura- and abjuration and something else. I, I will so say So they that, might need their own list and I will so say on that, and so on and so on. Though this will be down the line, obviously, that wizard class, that's kind of... I think maybe that might be the focus of the wizard class based on how they're doing it. Because the wizard class... Why would you? Why would you play a wizard most of the time? As two people who play wizards, I love I love my div- divination wizards. Yeah, the subclasses. Are, well, my necromancy one is a little less cool, but like divination's the, awesome. But yeah, like the <laughs> the spell choice is lacking compared to a lot of other mm-hmm. classes. Not because you don't have access, but because everybody has access to so many. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But along those same lines, you were saying. We saw that in the bar, in the experts UA, they changed a bunch of class or a bunch of spell types so that they aligned with the bard. Yeah, that's another thing. Some of the schools of magic now seem a little funky just to get certain classes access to certain spells that they normally would have that they now would not have had they stayed the same. Yeah, they changed like some evocation spells yeah. to transmutation. I think my, in, in, I think maybe this is kind of going in this direction. I hope that every. One thing that's good about 5th edition is that all the classes, you know, feel separate and feel distinct and and I do hope that they don't lose that feeling when it comes mm-hmm. to like eventually like playing them just for the sake of trying to make things a little bit Condense easier by con- condensing them, yeah. Cuz uh, sorry to interrupt, but the it to me it seems like the the wizard is going to be the mage that gets the entire arcane list. The cleric is the priest that gets access to the entire divine list. And the druid is going to be the other, is going to be the one that gets access to the entire primal list. Which, in and of itself, will make those three unique. Mm -hmm. Why not? At that point, the arcane list is the wizard's spell list. Mm -hmm. And then the divine list is the cleric's list. And then the prime. Like, at a certain point. It's like, why do we need these three new categories when we could have kept class spell lists? And now, instead of being like, you can go, you can go get something from the arcane list, you can just say, you can go get something from the wizard spell list. Something that they've already done with the arcane trickster and the eldritch knight. So instead of referencing this arbitrary new list, make the wizard, one of the wizard's thing is that they just get access to all arcane spells, and that's what their spell list is. And if you want something else that get that can dip into the entire arcane list, you just reference the wizard. That's my big point. It seems like an uh, like specifically the the spell lists themselves seem a bit arbitrary and unnecessary to me. The class groups I'm more okay with yeah. as a category. I think it's it's ultimately you just have to figure out your values and what you're when you're grouping these things together and what it's in favor of. And if it's like you you make some sacrifices in terms you know of speciality when you're combining them all together and um to some extent i have been i think on the record saying that i do i do think the spell list that they have i like the way that they've grouped them and i think it will make things um a little bit more streamlined because and this is someone as someone who doesn't always play full spellcaster the like mm-hmm. going back and forth between like different classes spell lists has always been a little bit confusing um, for me, but also at the same time, like you can respect, I think the, uh, especially if someone is able to grasp fifth edition, which is like already like the easiest dungeons and dragons By to, to, mm-hmm. to grasp. Yeah. Like you can, I think you can at least at the very least, I'm hoping that wizards of the coast is still respecting the intelligence of the people playing the game. Like, is it, 
if you make a feed that's that says you know you're you have access to the like um any of the level one to three features for the cleric i don't know something like that like if you if you have something like that i think you can trust that your players and the readers of your book will be smart enough to know how to flip back and through the pages yeah. to like get to those sections if that makes sense. They yeah, they want it's clear that they want to make things easier for new players that have never picked up the book before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm afraid that they're go, they're overcorrecting to the point that now it's just becoming an annoyance for people that are familiar with the books and do know what the terminology is. Well, ultimately and this is uh, this, I think, may be a given that's often, I, I think, overlooked when I see people reviewing a one D&D, which is ultimately Wizards of the Coast is trying to make money by bringing in more people. And as easy as, especially as easy as D&D can be, you know, fifth edition, if you've ever tried to play, you know, something. I tried to play Fate with, like, a group of people <laughs> and tried to explain to them, like, no, these are pluses and the minuses. Like, they just add up. You get, like, it's basically, like, two, two like, 46 and you roll it Like, it can be... Even though it's really easy, I'm hoping that they're not trying to make it to like you were saying, they're they're trying to make money. They're trying to open up to like a whole new group of people. In the past, I think there's been people from Wizards of the Coast saying like, "This is it. Like one D and D is it. Like yeah. this is the edition you're that. gonna you're gonna get." And so if you're doing that, if you're going in with this mindset, like. I would think the creators have to think if this is our edition, like if this is the edition for everybody, we got to make it for as many people as possible. Yeah. And, and so that's where I think a lot of the design aspects are coming in of we got to we do have to make it somewhat yeah. easier for people. In that case, make the PHP a 500 page book and it'll be fine. Yeah. People would love that. Yeah, that would <laughs> go over great. Um, we're nearing on an hour and a half at this point. Normally these interviews go about an hour and we're like, all right, good. Enough. Oh, I'm so sorry. I was been talking not at all. How dare you have reasonable all. opinions that we want to hear? Yes. Oh, gosh. Uh, so any other, any last thoughts on one D and D so far? Can I hit a, hit, hit a strong opinion at the end? Here? Oh, sure. fucking course. I, you can. and I made a video about this so you can see my full opinion about this if you want, but I want, I, I don't get the chance to, uh, to talk as much with, with people about this. The D20 test, where a, uh, a nat 1 is an automatic failure and a nat 20 is an automatic success in any context, I dislike that. And I, I agree. And I do not... I don't think I, that's a hot take at and all. I, and I, I've talked to people who disagree with me on that. I just want this on the record for posterity. So when I die, if I die... If I die, and I might not ever die. <laughs> You're not dead yet. So not dead yet. Correct. Nope, I can't can't prove, no one, there's no evidence that I can die. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I want it on the. I want it on the record that I think that that is. I dislike that rule. I think it is too general to be fun, and I think that there are circumstances in which you could. Uh, I think it takes away the ability to use the dice as a utility. Um, because if you make someone roll, you're basically telling them there's gonna be a success if they if they roll a one in what is it five percent chance. Yeah. And I I don't I think it takes away some utility from using the dice, and therefore I dislike that. Now I do want to point out that was the previous. <gasps> it's changed. Did so I miss it? the D twenty test now simply is just the collection of ability checks, attack rolls, and saving throws. And then they changed it so that when you roll a natural one, you get inspiration. Oh. So they're just, they were playing around with it. And that's one thing that they they make clear in the writing, but I, like some people aren't catching on, is that 
whatever the rules glossary is for the most recent one supersedes That's the one that supersedes it. It supersedes gotcha. anything before. So once you get hit rules glossary, the most recent UA is the rules glossary. I, I do like that though. They do something similar with that in um uh, powered by the apocalypse games yeah. where like if yeah. you fail you get like experience yes uh, like that sort of thing. i like that more than rolling the natural 20 you get inspiration because then that creates the like a feedback the loop. feedback loop of you get more inspiration when you roll better and now you can roll better because you have inspiration and so on yeah. and so on yeah. whereas the natural one it's like i read that as you failed so much at something that you're now embarrassed and you're now more <laughs> determined to yeah. not have that feeling again god feels bad for you yeah <laughs> <laughs> You're such I'm, a failure that I, maybe not even God, just like your own self being like, I don't want this to fucking happen to me again. I'm going to fucking laser focus in on this things to ensure that it's less likely to happen. Yeah. So I agree with your opinion entirely. Yes. Same. Current, the current standing of one D and D, if we were to do a play test right now, it wouldn't be there. It wouldn't so. be there. You got what you wanted. A good. <laughs> this is you writing. This is you back at the Wizards. Like your Connor is writing. The Jeremy Crawford is there. He approves. He approves. So we come to this, the end of our bonus episode of the Nerd Bros podcast. Yeah. Uh, Norp, would you like to? You, this is the appropriate this time. Is earlier, pull. disregard all the plugs <laughs> that I did for all my stuff at the very beginning. Note to the editor: uh, eliminate his earlier shilling. Uh, re- uh, eliminate his entire portion from this podcast. Editor, yes. add, add a quacking sound in whenever Connor <laughs> speaks uh, for the remainder of the podcast. You make a joke, making... but Andy would totally do that. <laughs> Andy, Andy, when I listen back to this portion. Do, good, do right by me, please. <laughs> Andy, go back at exactly 35 minutes and 46 seconds and add a large sniff sound. And that way, there's a... <laughs> uh, that way, that, that way the, if you listen to the whole thing, you'll only not be confused at the very end as to why the sniffing sound was in. Okay, so my uh, plug-in... Um, I go by Feldelev online. All, he's going to do all of that now. <laughs> Damn it. Feldelev online, F-E-L-T-H-E-L-E-B. It is a nonsense name that used to be my brother's old World of Warcraft warrior name. Mm-hmm. It's a night elf warrior. Uh, Feldelev online, I make content for Dungeons & Dragons on YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter. I also, uh, as I said earlier, I'm currently in a live game. If you search JoeCat on YouTube or twitch.tv slash JoeCat, uh, on Wednesdays, uh, I think we start normally around 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, I play Buck, the Bugbear Barbarian, uh, on... <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, in, the, in the Heart of Alinthi campaign, and so that's where yeah. you can find most of my stuff. All right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, you should come over and hang out and actually play D anD. would like Here's to, some, or magic, or I, magic. <laughs> I imagine if they listen to the podcast, they know they know like what your setup kind of like looks like. But it's they, for those of you who are, have just started Dungeon Bros <laughs> with this one podcast, they have for a all very of, cool table for all of your people that are watching that are listening to this because you are here. We'll see how many people that actually ends up being. But the welcome setup. to those three the, new people. The, yeah, the three new people. Yeah, probably this, just my friends. Shane Dieter, cool. if you are listening, that's, the setup is really cool. <laughs> it it is it is very cool. It's an amalgam. The table itself, I've talked about this in TikToks in the past, but the amount the table itself is an amalgamation of wood, it, of wood, <laughs> wood, <laughs> metal, wood, little bits of metal fasteners and glue. Uh, but no, the uh, there's a YouTuber, Black Magic Craft, who built a D&D table. He's a crafting DM. Uh, and there is this other guy who 
it's it's this like middle-aged Asian guy. It's an hour-long video of him building a fucking D&D table. And I kind of took the two and combined them together. And that's what this is. I don't remember the name of the... Of, he's not a YouTuber. He's a guy that uploaded a YouTube video that's an hour long and has like 1.5 million views or something ridiculous. Heck yeah. If you search, if you search for D&D tables or custom D&D table, whatever, it'll be fairly easy to find. But for those of you that have come to watch this because of Norb and have reached this point in the podcast, uh, if you go to the link tree in the bio of any of our socials, you can find the Dungeon Bros there, TikTok, YouTube, uh, freaking podcast services, Instagram. Sam does the Instagram, not me. Uh, homebrew at Drive Through RPG. We have an entire Blood Magic supplement of thirty-eight pages that is currently four ninety-nine. And hopefully, before the end of the year, <laughs> we'll have our compendium of all of the homebrew we've released in one convenient package, also for four ninety-nine. Probably excluding the Blood Magic supplement because then that kind of overlaps a little bit. But, but if we you might... don't want to pay four ninety-nine for the Blood Magic supplement, hop into our Discord and find oh the gosh. coupon code. There is a coupon code in the announcements channel in the Discord server. Also, if you find me in real life and touch me, I have to give you the. Uh, I, have I have to give you the I code. Will, I'll, I'll give you the. the, the I'll give it to you. Me. I'll email it to you right. for free if you touch me in real life. Yeah. Not sexually. Yeah. If correct. you touch me sexually, it, it's. We're not. Cut this part. Charging, cut this part, cut, cut this part from the cut, podcast. Cut, cut the feed. That's that's the one where I'm charging you extra <laughs> because then I'm selling myself to you just to make it not illegal. If you offend me, then I won't. And they will be illegal, and I'll sue you or like get find me and offend me, and you get to the, 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 the uh, RPG give information if, for free. If you, <laughs> I'll give you the supplement for free if you find us in person and you give us the hottest D and D take. That's like, ooh, wow! You can't say that because you'll get you'll get like arrested if you say it. like mm-hmm. actually like it's Jeremy actual. Jeremy Crawford will come to your house, literally illegal, and drown you. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! He's going to he's going to he's going to commit murder because of that's how bad the take the will spiciest to take imaginable mm-hmm. and i will email it to you on the spot also if you see me don't touch me yeah fair enough yeah uh if you do see us at say gen con 2023 <gasps> we're gonna go to i've, I've already booked I've, I've not booked but i'm i'm gonna be off those days <laughs> i'm gonna try to i went the last two three years so yeah. i'm gonna try to go again um we should like get a place together this time. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of meeting up for thirty minutes one day and being like, "Hey, hi, bye." Yeah, absolutely. It'll be fun time. Cool. It'll be fun time. Cool. I'm gonna do it. Also, if you're listening and you go to Gen Con, you should totally come say hi to us because we had one person that recognized us from TikTok, and that was the highlight of the weekend. Not the best part. Of By the far. I saw you guys there too. By though. far. Well, I, mean, I knew you. Yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. Second highlight of the weekend. <laughs> Fair enough. But we were recognized as who we were from online, someone that we didn't know. So cool. Which was awesome. The coolest imaginable. Awesome. Anyway, Norb, thank you so much for coming. Thank you guys for having me. This was yeah. really fun. We should do this again, the next one D D thing. Yeah. And maybe we we should get some friends together and do a one shot of just one D D rules. I would like to do I maybe I don't know how many more we have to wait for it to come out because it seems like well, maybe this one but I would at, like to try with the one D D. At this rules. point, if you wanted to do four players, Ranger, Bard, Rogue, Cleric, you can start to end do it. Yeah. And of course we could mix in five E stuff for like oh I would I, I, Yeah. So thank you very much. And uh you got your thing, yeah. In the meantime. Yeah.